live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Sacktown. 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 I'm starting the show with you. It's not the first time I've done it. I know it won't be the last, but Sacktown, it is all about you. The entire country is going to hear this. It happened. It's finally over. The You did it. The long city nightmare has finally come to an end, along with the longest playoff drought in all of pro sports. It's been 16 seasons, but the Sacramento Kings are finally back in the playoffs. Sacktown, you're not dreaming. Now, you might be hungover. In fact, you better be hungover, but you're not dreaming. This is, in fact, real life. Your Kings are really a playoff team. And all I have to say to that is this. Light the beam. Light the beam. Light the beam. Light the beam. Hell yes, Sacktown. You shine that giant purple laser and the light the beam chance. Weren't just coming from Sacktown last night. Kings fan was representing and chanting light the beam in Portland as time expired on one of the biggest wins in the history of that franchise. Sacramento outscoring Portland 58 to 23. How incredible is that? Light the beam chance in Portland. Sacktown. It's finally really over. And the absolute best part to me about this story is that it's not just a nice little story. And that it's not the end of the story. It's just the beginning. Because this is a legit, exciting team with a legit culture, a legit future, a legit head coach, a legit look at this thing. They're the three seed in the West, and they are for a reason. And they still have a historically great and ridiculously underhyped offense that people are not talking about nearly enough. No exaggeration when I say historically great. It is. Fact, they're averaging 121 points per game, which is still the most points per game for any team in the association since the 83-84 Nuggets. That's how long it's been since anybody scored the ball the way they are. Statistically, they are, in fact, one of the best offenses in the history of the sport. That's a fact, not a take. It's a fact, cold fact. And it's probably one of the many reasons why their GM decided to hop on Twitter last night to celebrate with a classic reset. At M. McNair tweeted, No, Jim, we're not kidding. Playoffs, here we come. Hashtag Light the beam. Uh, Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Shout out to Monty McNair for bringing in the pieces. And even a bigger shout out to Mike Brown, who put those pieces together. And he built an actual King's culture. This guy's got to be absolutely a stone cold lock, right? For the NBA coach of the year. For the second time in his career, by the way. I don't even care about who actually wins the award. I'm just going to give it to him right now. I don't even have a vote. I don't have a vote. I don't really have a say. But I do have a platform. And I do have an opinion. Mike Brown, congrats, my dude. You are the NBA Coach of the Year. Says who? Says me. 
You should go around. You should go around and tell everybody, man, I'm just so flattered. I'm so humbled. I'm the coach of the year. Yeah, but Mike, the it's not official. It hasn't been announced. Yes, it has. Rome said so. It's official in the jungle. And what's more official than that, Mike? Congrats. You did it again. Because nobody's going to convince me that anybody else did half the job that Mike Brown did this season. Think about this. He didn't just break a playoff drought. The dude became just the second Kings head coach to ever post a winning record. Let me repeat that. The only Kings coach to ever have a winning record in any season was Rick Adelman. Who, by the way, back in the day used to always come on the program. Damn good coach. So underrated. Rick Adelman, so underrated. Until this season, he was the only one who ever had a winning record there as a head coach. Until Mike Brown showed up and started lighting them beams, baby. And the best part is, if you think my dude, Mike Brown, is satisfied just making the playoffs and breaking that miserable streak and this being a nice little story, think again. You couldn't be more wrong because Mike Brown knows these fans deserve a hell of a lot more at this point than just making the playoffs. We want to give them a lot more than we've given them so far already uh, because they're more than deserving of it. And, you know, when you have a fan base that's as intelligent, rabid, passionate uh, about not only their, 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 their team, but their city, too. You can feel it's a, it's a prideful thing. You just want, you want the world for them. And you're excited about it. Uh, we want uh, we want them to celebrate, uh, but we, we also uh, know that they expect more from us, and we expect to hopefully give them more. Nailed it! Nailed it! He nailed it. That's not just coach speak. That guy nailed exactly the way things are in Sacramento. He nailed that fan base. He nailed the expectations. The fact that they deserve it. He crushed that. Oh, one more thing, Mike Brown, very clearly is not just here to take part. He's here to take over, and so is his team. You hear that, Kings fan? That's what having a future sounds like. It's a future you all do deserve. Nobody's had it worse than Sacramento fan, Kings fan, for a decade and a half after it had been so great back in the day, and it was. It was amazing back in the day. The thing is, and this is why they deserve it, One, nobody's had it tougher. And two, they're amazing fans. Kings fan always shows up. Kings fan travels to chant, light the beam. I'm telling you, this is the thing about Kings fan. Before they were great, the fans were great. In fact, the team, frankly, was an embarrassment league-wide. And yet, even when they were horrible, even when they were, how do I put this? ass their fans still jammed the old Arco arena every single night they still love that team even when they were running crap out on the floor back in the day the king's fans were still incredible incredible when the team was incredible and incredible when the team was ass these are amazing fans this is just another reason why i love Sacktown and why i want to give them their hype and their respect They deserve this. They deserve this as much as any fan base does. And you might try and argue, nobody really deserves anything. Oh, no. 
They deserve this. I'll say it again. Two of the finest moments of my entire professional life were the two tour stops back in the day in Sacramento. It's all so surreal to me when I think about it. When I think back and I think about those two events, I mean, did I really hit the stage in Sacramento with nearly 18,000 people in attendance? Did that really happen? I mean, I was there. I was on that stage. I'm me. (laughs) So I know it happened. But thinking about that is so surreal to me. Did I really hit that stage with 18,000 people in that barn along with Rick Adelman, C-Webb, Vlade, White Chocolate, and the entire crew? Were they not also there on stage with me? Hey, Kings fan, help me. This really happened, right? No, I know it did. I will never forget those shows. Two of my favorite days ever. Also, also, one more thing about the beam. How can you not love the beam? They shoot a purple laser into the sky when they win. How do you not love that? Here's to many more lasers, Kings fan. You deserve all of them. Light the beam. Light the beam. Light the beam. Light the freaking beam. And clones, I know you better than you know you. And if you live outside of Sacramento, I know what you're going to do with this. I know what you're going to do with my opening take. I know what you're going to do with that team. I know what you're going to do with that fan base. I know what you're going to do with that beam. And I know what you're going to do with what you think is the biggest cow town ever. I know you clones. It's light the beam. Not tumbleweed. Tumbleweed. Yeah, but Rome. That's the city flower, right? Tumbleweed. No. No, a tumbleweed is not a flower. No, no, no. Much less the city flower. If I'm not mistaken, the city flower of Sacramento is the camellia. So the Kings, thanks Alvin for confirming that. The Kings are most likely the three seed. And because they are most likely the three seed, the West or the rest of the West seems to think that that's a good thing. They're falling all over themselves trying to lock the sixth seed. You know, like they all want that so badly. Like they want that. They want Sacramento. It's like a fight at the bat rack to try to face the Kings. All I'm saying is be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for and put some respect on them and there best not be any jackasses like the last time I did this who said, yeah, Roman, it's about time. It's about time you gave us credit. No, it's not. I've always given you credit. For real. For real. I'm the only one on the national scene that has always given you credit. And I'm not looking for any credit for giving you credit. I'm just saying, don't be a jackass and tell me this is long overdue and where have I been? Where have I been? I've always been with you, Sacktown. You know this. I love you, Sacktown. And I love that the Kings are back. And they are. They're not hot. They're good. Actually, they're both. And the drought is over. Sacktown. I shouldn't even have to ask. 
In fact, I'm not going to ask. I'm going to tell you. Get up in here, Sacktown. It's over. Your long nightmare is officially over. The longest playoff drought in all of pro sports. Over. You're in. And not only are you in, but you can do some damage once you get there. Sacktown. I'm not hard to find. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper or what's your beef? The greatest human being walking the planet right now. I mean that. He is Sean Casey. Case, it is a tradition unlike any other. You coming into the jungle on opening day, you are shot out of a cannon the other 364 days of the year. So I have to ask you, though, on this, Case, opening day, how you living right now, Sean? How you feeling? Romy, I am living with the best of them, baby. I'm so excited to be on here back in the jungle with you. I look forward to this day, opening day with my man, Romy, every year. I'm so fired up, brother. I knew it. Me too. It is a tradition unlike any other case. There are a million different storylines that we could get to, but I need to start you off with this. I spoke with another legend on my reinvention project pod last week, Eric Burns. And in prepping for his appearance with me, he listened to an interview that you and I did previously. He must have referenced you 10 different times. Case, I want you to listen to what he said about you, and then I want to get your reaction. Listen to this, Sean. I listened to an old episode with Sean Casey. But real quick, I wanted to tell you a story about, quote, unquote, the mayor, Romy. I'm like, dude, there's no way that this dude is that nice of a guy. Like, there's got to be a little you in him in order to be as good as he is. And so sure enough, we both get done playing. We're working at MOB Network together. We go out to dinner and we're talking about this guy and then this other guy. And so finally we got to this one dude that, let's just say he's controversial at Daily Leafs. That's a really good public persona, but behind the scenes, we all kind of you know, know the truth and whatever. I'm like, so this is the ultimate test of character. I go, Case, what about such and such? And there's a little bit of a pause. He goes, oh, that guy? What a douchebag, man! <laughs> <laughs> From that day on, dude, Sean Casey's been one of my best friends dude case it's so amazing what do you think hearing that and then what did you make of bernsey the first time you got loaded to his act dude first off i remember that conversation with bernsey and i were out in new york one night we were at mlb network when we went out we were just talking about you know the good old days and i you know 
I can't remember the guy we were talking about, but I do remember having that conversation, which is great. Listen, man, for me, I love that. I, I listened to that episode, um, Romy. It was incredible. Eric Burns, to me, man, is a guy that talk about shot out of a cannon and talk about inspirational, the things that he does in his life, the way he lives his life. He's wrote a couple books. You know, he started No Filter Network. I was at the network, MLB Network with him for years. The way he played the game, how hard he played, how, how he lives his life, man. That episode's a must listen. For anybody that's listening to the Reinvention Project in that unbelievable podcast that you have, Romy, the Eric Burns episode's a must listen for me. Incredible guy, incredible friend. I really appreciate you, Case. Thanks so much for saying that. So I'm on your Instagram feed last night, which is also awesome, and you have clips from your awesome pod. They're all great. I want to reference one. You have a post and a short caption which reads only this, quote, Brad Lidge, bro. Brad Lidge, bro, I open it up, and there's one more line. Quote, Brad Lidge was from another planet. Case, I got to ask you, what do you remember about your first at-bat against Brad Lidge, bro, and the sequencing, bro? Take me through it. What was that like? Romy, when you look back, brother, you, you remember certain guys, certain at-bats, even though I got you know, like thousands and thousands of bats, at-bats in the big leagues, but you remember guys that made you feel like maybe like a fourth grader in the box, right? What didn't happen a ton, but when it happened, you remember. When Brad Lidge first came up with the Astros, if you can remember back to this, the, the, the last three guys you would face out of that pen were Octavio Dotel, Brad Lidge, and Billy Wagner. So you were always like, oh my gosh, this is pretty unbelievable. Well, I'd never really faced Lidge. He was a rookie at the time. And he had this slider that acted like a split finger. I remember Brad Osmus was behind the dish. You know, Bagwell, Biggio were on the team. And Brad Lidge throws him this, this first pitch slider at like 93 miles an hour. And it looked like a heater right down the middle. I took a rip, swung a miss. I was like, man, I, I missed bad on that one. I was like, okay, maybe I saw that wrong. I've never seen a pitch like that before. Next pitch, another slider, 93. I was like, whoa, that was incredible. Dude, Romy, he throws me another slider, 93 miles an hour. It looks like a heater right there. It acts like a split ring. I swing and miss. And I remember, like, my head spinning at the time. I, I turned up Brad Ospice before I walked off. I go, bro, are you serious? Serious with that? Like, what, what was that? And he just started laughing. I started laughing. And I remember, like, Brad Lidge obviously go on to have an unbelievable career with the Phillies and the Astros. But facing him for that first time and feeling like, what just happened with those three sliders was a, a, a battle never forget. Sean Casey joining us, the very best. Case, what about Rob Nen, bro? Rob Nen, bro, how filthy was Nen? And can you give me the story about having to face him up in NoCal and how that went? Dude, we're out in San Fran. I got the day off, Romy. I'm like, all right, good. Day off, getaway day. I think it was 2000. Jack McKeon gives me a day off. I'm like, perfect. This is great. So ninth inning rolls around. McKeon comes down and finds me in the dugout. He's like, hey, Case, you're going to, you're gonna, uh, you know, you're gonna hit third this inning. You're, you know, you're in there to face Nen. I'm like, oh gosh, like Rob Nen in his prime. Like that's not an at bat you wanted. You didn't want Mariano Rivera. You didn't want some of those guys, you know, in their prime. So I'm like, all right, I'll take it. You know, let's go, let's go, let's let's get it on. So first two guys get out, packed house in San Fran too. That nothing like out there in San Fran. They could they could pack the house there, and the fans are, you know, they're they're, they're rabid out there. So. Nen gets me 0-2, same thing, you know, just dropping these nasty, nasty sliders. Again, talk about two guys, Lidge and Nen, some of the nastiest, and Smolty, I remember too. So I get the, I get the two strikes, 
And uh, what they did out there in San Fran, Romy, I don't know if you remember, but that song, who let the dogs out back in the day, right? So Nen, you know, gets set. He gets ready to deliver. Bam, he gets into his kick. And right when Nen gets about right here, freaking PA starts playing who let the dogs out. I'm like, and I'm in my, you know, I'm in my, I'm in my stance ready to go. And all of a sudden I hear like, who let the dogs out? Nen hasn't even thrown the pitch yet. Bam, he draws a nasty slider on me, strike three. And then I looked up at the PA, like, what's going on here? Place is going nuts. They're celebrating. I'm like, they're playing. They know I'm punching out, no doubt about it. They're playing who let the dogs out before he even releases the ball. <laughs> Incredible. I love that story so much. Casey <laughs> joining us. That is the best. Case, nothing ever lives up to the hype. But how incredible was Otani v. Trout in the WBC? That was some goosebump leap right there, wasn't it? You have to be kidding me, man. You have to be kidding me that all the games, you know, the games that started out in Japan, the games in Miami, games all over the place, if you had scripted it, the thing that we all thought as baseball fans, wouldn't it be incredible if, the, if Japan faced the U.S. in the finals in Miami, 3-2 game, 3-2 count. Otani comes in to close it out, which he's not a closer, and he faces Trout with the game on the line, and bam, that's what happens. I, I absolutely amazing. And what was what was incredible was the stat that Trout's had 600, 6,000 some plate appearances, has only swung and missed 24 times on all three pitches. This being the 25th, Otani pumps 100 miles an hour twice and then throws him that 3-2 wiffle ball slider that punches him out to win the WBC. I thought it was great for baseball. I think it's great worldwide of what the WBC did this year. I thought D-Row in the U.S. was incredible, but Otani proved He's the best player on the planet. Man, that is music. That is absolute music to my ears. You should know by now exactly what that sound represents, that that is the very best kind of notification you could ever hear. It is the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment that another business dream has become a reality. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. It doesn't even matter what you're selling. Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. I mean anything. Succulents or stilettos. Flaky salt or fine art prints. All sorts of categories. Fashion, home and garden, health and beauty. Essentially anything. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up right now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E, all lowercase, Go to shopify.com slash Rome to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. Sean Casey joining us. Casey is somebody who spent his entire life working the craft, studying the craft, teaching the craft. You're still a broadcaster right now. As somebody who gave everything you had to the sport, you understand this. I, I mean, do you still have trouble wrapping your head around this guy and what he can do? I mean, to say that he's the best in the business right now is one thing, but the fact that he can pick up a bat and do what he does with that and then hit the bump and then do that too, can you even get your head around that? No, it, 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 it's, uh, 
It's literally a unicorn. He really is a unicorn. We've never seen anything like it ever in the big leagues. To do the way Otani's doing it, he's an elite hitter. And, and obviously his power is elite. And Romy, he's getting better. Like, that's the thing about it. Like, this guy's getting better. He was top five in the Sky Young 2 on the bump. He throws 100, 102 miles an hour with a wipeout split. Nasty slider. This guy's only getting better. And I, I think it's incredible. I think if we're, if we're, as baseball fans, we should all be sitting back right now and appreciating what we're witnessing with Shohei Otani because we may never see it again. And it, it, it's, I just think it's absolutely phenomenal. And one more thing, Romy. Dude, for me, as a left-handed hitter in the big leagues, working on that craft, trying to get great to, just to be a left-handed hitter, I always marveled that guys could switch hit. I'm like, how do you switch hit? It's tough enough hitting lefty. I can't even imagine the routine that Otani has to have to be an elite pitcher on the bump, but also be an elite guy um, in, in the box. I think it's just, it's a unicorn thing. It's incredible. And I hope we're all sitting back to really, really appreciate it. Case, I think you just made an amazing point. You're right. Routines are everything. Regiments are everything. Consistency is everything. I know you gave everything you had to be the player you were with your routine. And you're right. This guy's got like two full-time jobs. He would need two routines to do what he's doing right now. It's such a great point by you. Case, I have to ask you about the Miracle League of the South Hills. For those who do not know, what is it? And bring me up to date. How are things and what is the latest regarding these amazing players? Oh, uh, Robert, you're the best, man. Miracle League of the South Hills. Uh, we are a Miracle League for special needs kids. We're, we're, uh, there, there's a bunch of them in the country. So if you find one in your area, go volunteer. Go, go, go take some time out for the kids. We serve over 400 kids with special needs. And uh, it, it's incredible. I think we're at 60, what we say, 60, 61 zip codes that we, um, uh, that, that, we, that we serve with our kids. It's incredible. MiracleLeagueSouthHills.org, uh, if you want to go check us out and join us, you could come out. You could volunteer to be the announcer. You could volunteer to push a kid's wheelchair. Um, we, have, we have two six-week seasons, and, and the Miracle Leagues around the country believe they do this too, where we get our kids out there. We have uh, they get their jerseys, you know, they get their gloves, every, just like any other kid. And, and, and the, the, um, the, the, mission, the mission statement for the Miracle League is every kid deserves a chance to play. Every kid. And I think that's what's so great about these Miracle Leagues. We serve 400 kids. So many Miracle Leagues serve special needs kids out there. So get out and volunteer. Um, check us out at MiracleLeagueSouthHills.org. But if any Miracle Leagues around you in your state, go volunteer and join these kids. It's one of the greatest things I've ever done, Romy. And I'm so appreciative, man, that you bring this up every time I'm on. I'm very I grateful love, for I that, I love it, brother. Case. I love it. I love that you do that. Really quickly, I've got about a minute or so. When you talk about facing some of these guys that are so nasty, there's going to be fear, right? You're going to have some fear. We're all going to have fear in everything we do in every walk of life. Case, what do you tell young people to do with fear? What did you do with fear? I think the biggest thing with fear is you gotta, you got to look at fear and turn it into courage. Right At the end of the day, we're all fearful of something in our lives. But you can look at that fear and say, you know what? I'm running right forward. And I think the two things when you look at fear is preparation and action. Right? For me as a hitter, I used to get in the batting cage and say, this is my confidence cage. This is my preparation cage. Knowing when I get in the batter's box, I'm coming for you. Like I'm taking action for you. And I always say, play offense on fear and not defense. Because when you run right for it, at the end of the day, it'll shrink for you. Any adversity that comes in your life, the storms that come to all of us, they come for all of us, run right for it, and you'll start to realize, you know what, that wasn't as bad as I thought, and I'm getting more confident attacking the fear. So attack, adjust, 
Be prepared and let's go. Sean Casey, let's go. He was a three-time All-Star. He's back at MLB Network, as I mentioned, for a 15th season. He's got an amazing podcast, The Mayor's Office Case. Thanks for continuing the great tradition here in the jungle. You on opening day. I love you, man. Thanks so much, Case. Romy, I love you, dude. Thanks so much for having me on. And I, I'm so I'm so thankful we do this every year. And I'll see you again soon, but definitely next opening day. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Let me check in on my fellow half-chowds, my half-fam, how you chowd-aheads living. What are the opening day vibes like in Chowtown? Because from down here in SoCal, it seems like the talk of Chowtown right now is not the socks. It's the hood. Put your ear to the ground in the city of Boston right now. At least this is how it seems here in Cowie. And, and I have family there. I'm half you. I'm half fam. I'm half chowed. Never forget that. Put your ear to the ground, though, and what do you hear? That's the chatter about the hood man. Chatter about his job security? Chatter about the hood man being on the hot seat? I mean, it may sound pretty crazy, but it's not. And it's actually a real thing. It's almost like Boston is catching up to the rest of us when it comes to being over. The mumbler's tired act. And way more importantly, it's almost like Bob Kraft is pretty much over the mumblers' tired act. But don't take it from me, take it from Bob Kraft himself, because all the speculation this week coming from Kraft's comments at the owners' meeting is as follows. Specifically, the comment in response to a question about the hood man being 19 wins away from breaking Don Shula's all-time head coaching wins record. Does Bob Kraft seem like he really cares about that? Look, I'd like him to break Don Shula's record, but um, I'm not looking for any of our players to great, get great stats. That isn't, we're, we're about winning and doing whatever we can to win. And that's what our focus is now. And uh, I, it's very important to me that we uh, make the playoffs. And that's what I hope happens next year. Translation. If we don't make the playoffs, then nobody has to worry about any records. Do I look like I give a damn if he's the all-time winningest coach, if we never make the playoffs anymore? Here's the thing. The Patriots currently have the worst odds of winning the AFC East, and it's not even close. So the playoffs really do not seem like a given right now. In fact, anything but. You know, according to me and my research, Teams that finish at the bottom of their division rarely make the postseason. And that's where they are right now. Fact. They're at the bottom of the AFC East looking up at everybody else in the East. Fact. And if the Hood does miss the playoffs again this year, then his red ass should absolutely be on fire. I don't care how many rings Hood has. 
not making the playoffs every season is not okay. It's definitely not okay with the guy who owns the team, Bob Kraft. It's not just missing the playoffs either. Let's be honest. The team is a mess. Last season was an embarrassment. I don't care if you have 20 rings. You can't just bring in your old D coordinator, have him run the offense and call the plays just because, and then have that absolutely idiotic plan blow up in your face, and then when people call you on that, just flash your rings in front of everybody like that's going to make the whole thing go away. I mean, what the hell were you thinking when you did that, Hood? Those rings, even all of those rings, do not give him a pass on that. That's not how that works. And if the guy truly is the GOAT, if the guy truly is the GOAT and truly is the smartest guy ever, How did he ever do something that dumb in the first place? And that's not armchair QBing. That's not second guessing. Did anybody anywhere not named the hood think that that was going to work or that that was a good idea? Of course that bleep blew up in his face and helped wreck their season. If anybody anywhere else ever tried to pull that crap, not only would they be out of a job, they'd probably be out of the profession altogether. That's how little sense that decision made. That's how bad of an idea that was. And again, if this dude really is the greatest ever, how could he possibly make such a ridiculous decision in the first place? Essentially, the all-time greatest coach made one of the all-time greatest coaching gaffes. And no, even this dude is not above reproach. Nobody is. Hood has to answer or mumble to somebody. We all do, including that guy. And in this case, that somebody is Bob Kraft. And before you rush in to say the Kraft would never saw that dude off, remember that quote from Seth Wickersham's piece, the quote that showed what Kraft really thinks of his head coach. It's an all-time quote. The quote about Kraft not wanting to leave Aspen to meet up with his team in Detroit because he didn't want to deal with the quote, biggest bleeping hole in my life. Quote, you leave here and you leave some of the most brilliant people you've ever met. You pick up so much knowledge from all these brilliant minds and I have to go to Detroit to be with the biggest effing bleep hole in my life, my head coach. End of quote. He said that. That's incredible. An incredible quote, but it also tells you how and why the tone has changed in New England once the winning went away. You know, that bleep hole savant act was cool when they were going to the Super Bowl every year. But clearly, not so cool anymore. Clearly, Bob Kraft is not okay with missing the playoffs and being mediocre and doing these crazy, bizarro coaching experiments that are doomed from the start. That's not me, either. Kraft essentially said that, too, this week. In life, it's important to try to know what you don't know and then get the best people. I'm in no position to know whether going in, that's the right thing. He's a very good guy, very smart, an engineer, works hard, 
And I think he got put in a difficult position. And I think it was sort of an experiment. Um, and he worked very hard at it. And in retrospect, I don't think it was a, the right thing. But, and I feel bad for him because he's such a hard worker. He got put in a difficult position. Kraft feeling badly for the Ticonderoga. Matt, the pencil. Yeah, I don't know. That does not sound like an owner who's all that hyped about the way things are going right now. And why would he be? The Ticonderoga fiasco was a humiliating disaster. And like I said, a fireable offense for anybody else. And flashing your rings is not going to get you out of it either, Hood. Even if Hood actually tried that move this week. What would you say to them to give them a reason to be optimistic for what's ahead? For the Patriots. The last 25 years. Uh, uh. I like the way he double clutched. Uh, uh. Yeah, sorry, Hood. That crap doesn't play. Nor does it fly. The last 25 years are not winning you any games today. The last 25 years are not moving any chains right now. The last 25 years are not getting you any third down stops right now. All those Lombardis cannot make a decent first round draft pick for you, Hood Man. And you of all people know that. Mr. No Days Off. Mr. What Have You Done For Me Lately. Mr. I Wrote The Book on Breaking Guys Off A Year Early As Opposed To A Year Too Late. You know, Hood, your own core values. How do they apply to everybody except you? I mean, how incredible would it be if Bob Kraft ends up doing Belichick the way Belichick did so many of his own dudes? And for the first time, it actually seems possible. Listen to what Kraft is saying. He's not paying the Hood for what he's already done because nobody gives a damn about that. He, and nobody understands that better than the hood, believe me. He's paying him for what he's doing right now. He's paying him for what he might do in the future. And it says here, right now, the Pats are now just another team. Just another franchise. In fact, they're worse than that. As I said, they're at the bottom of their own division, looking up at all the rest. And Kraft has seen enough. Hoodman is finally feeling some heat, and he should be. His seat is already warm, and if the Pats take another big dump in their pants, yeah, big dump in your pants. the biggest, quote, bleep hole in Kraft's life is going to have his ass fully on fire, and he's going to deserve it. I never, ever thought that I would have to say this, but coach him up, Hood. Coach him up, because if you don't, you're the next one who is going to be shown the door. And you should understand that as well as anybody. Because how many guys have you shown the door to for coming up short? Or because you wanted them to be out the door a little bit too early as opposed to a little bit too late? How can that apply to every player but not the head coach? When the head coach has enforced it as, quote, the Patriot way. Hood. It would be only fitting if you were shown the door the same way you showed that same door to all the other greats that helped make you who you are. 
Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And clones, if you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? Ian Eagle is joining us. Let me jump right into it because I don't want to waste any of your time. But starting with the Final Four, nobody anywhere could have predicted or expected this particular Final Four. Ian, how unusual yet awesome is this group of four to you? It's definitely funky. It's definitely different. I dig it. I like stories that come out of left field. I like the fact that there's new names. There's new participants. Since seeding began in 1979, it's the first Final Four without a top three seed. Was UConn underseeded? Yeah, they were, but they were a four seed. Miami, a five seed. San Diego State, a five seed. FAU, a nine seed. You could have polled people filling out brackets before this tournament began and asked them, what does FAU stand for? <laughs> and I think maybe 20% would have said Florida Atlantic University. So to me, it's got a little bit of everything. You've got the history with UConn, and then you have three programs that are trying to make their own version of history in Houston this weekend. All right, so in your opinion, is it a one-off? Is it an anomaly? Is it an aberration? Are we going to see a return of the Blue Bloods to the biggest stage going forward? Or given the changing, changing landscape of college sports, could this in fact be the new normal? Yeah, I don't think it's a one-off. I know in the past we've had great stories. George Mason going to the Final Four, VCU going to the Final Four, Loyola Chicago, Final Four. And each time that's happened, we've said after the fact, oh, yeah, this is going to become more of the, the natural, usual form of college basketball. And it didn't really happen. A year ago, who was in the Final Four? Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, Kansas, the eventual champion. I think now with the transfer portal, with NIL, with the, the, the level of play now being pretty close across the board. Jim, you know this. You've been following college hoops for so long. If you used to go with the eye test of, all right, look at this team, look at that team. Okay, I could tell you which team's the blue blood, which team is, is trying to just piece together a, a competitive group. That's just not the case anymore. If you didn't know FAU and Kansas State, if you knew nothing about those two teams, showed up at Madison Square Garden and just asked somebody arbitrarily, okay, who's who? I don't know if they would have been able to tell you. FAU looks like they belong. They've got the look of a team that belongs in Houston in the Final Four. I, I think things have changed. They've changed dramatically, and I don't think we're going back. I think this is the way things are going to be. Ian Eagle is joining us. You know, I hear exactly what you're saying, so maybe this question doesn't make as much sense, but I was going to ask you, speaking of the Blue Bloods, you ask me, UConn, given their history, I can make an argument that they're every bit the Blue Blood that Duke, yep. Carolina, Kansas, and UCLA are, but they're never characterized as such. They're never included in that group, seemingly. Why do you think that is? 
Well, it's recent history. I think back to the second tournament that I did. It was 1999 for CBS. I was in Sacramento, and who was there? UConn. That was their first run to a national championship. Jim Calhoun was a fast-talking New Englander. I was basically understanding every four words that he was saying in our coaching sit-down with him prior to the game. I was just trying to follow along. He was speeding along with uh, all the information on his team, and I'm trying to jot down stuff, and I realized, you know, this guy had a, a serious command of his team, how to build a winner, and then that was it. From that point on, you recognized that UConn had figured out the secret sauce. They win it with Kevin Ollie, then there's a dip, and now Dan Hurley has been exactly what they needed, someone to build the program. And I think give a lot of credit to him for recognizing that he had to make some changes in how he handled things, his bedside manner, how he dealt with officials. It doesn't mean he's not intense. He still is. He brings all the passion. But I think he picks and chooses his spots, and I think his team has fed off of that. Yes, UConn belongs in that conversation. Then look at their group. They check every box. They have the dominant big man in Sonogo. They have the NBA guard in Jordan Hawkins that's going to play at the next level. They have the all-everything performer in Andre Jackson Jr. They've got young blood in Caravan and Klingon. They're really stacked. To me, they're the best team in the Final Four. And if you're asking me, I would tell you it would be a surprise at this stage if they don't win the whole thing. I'm not going to argue that. Ian Eagle is joining us, except to say that there are no absolutes in this tournament. But you're right. Going to the final weekend, they look like a cut above. You know, Ian, when you talk about what it was like back in 1999 when you were in Sacramento and you saw UConn, Jim Nance's amazing tenure as the lead voice of the NCAA tournament is going to end Monday night with his 32nd consecutive national championship broadcast, and you will succeed him at the Final Four next year in Glendale. Listen, I'm not just saying this. I mean this. I know that you prepare for every assignment, regardless of what it is or where it is, as if it is the Final Four. That's part of what makes you, you, that said, what does this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity represent to you as you look ahead to it? It means a lot, obviously. And, Romy, I, I have to say now that I've just flashed back in my own brain, 98, 99, 2000, I'm going through my Rolodex, mental Rolodex. UConn was in Denver that year. My first year was Sacramento, and it was Arizona. It was Maryland. It was Illinois. It was Illinois State. It was Tennessee. It was Nickel State. It was Utah State. The next year was UConn, 1999, so that's where I got my first taste of Jim Calhoun and the Huskies. As far as me, look, ultimately, not much is going to change in, in how I approach it. Of course, it's going to be this extra weekend, and it's going to be three more games, and they just happen to be the three biggest games of the season for college basketball. But in how I approach the job, the energy level, the information, the connectivity with analysts and the sideline reporter, Bill Raftery, Grant Hill, Tracy Wolfson, the production team, all of that is going to be very seamless. And ultimately, it's about the game. If the game is great, I promise you the coverage will go parallel with it. And if the game isn't, then I've got to up the entertainment factor as opposed to the information factor. And I have a good sense of that. I've done so many of these games now through the years. Obviously, 25-plus NCAA tournaments. So uh, this, this event is something that's really close to my heart. And the fact that Jim Nance has done it 
at such a high level for so long just means he set the bar so high. So I recognize the assignment, and I absolutely do not take it lightly. Extremely well said, and I know that for a fact. Ian Eagle joining us. Listen, before you go, as the TV voice of the Nets, you've seen a solid year from Brooklyn. I want to ask you about them. I want to ask you on specifically about Ben Simmons. He's now been shut down for the rest of the season due to a lingering yep. back injury. What do you think his overall basketball future looks like now? I don't know. I don't know if he knows. I think they'll say all the right things. He has new representation. Uh, the Nets are going to say all the right things. They look forward to having Ben back in the fold next year at 100% so he can bring all of the different skills that he does to the floor for them. And that's what they visualized when they traded for Ben Simmons and the James Harden deal. But behind the scenes, I don't know. I think it's a lot murkier and mysterious because we just don't know what the motivation level is and if he's now getting used to this. You know, this is not just one year for Ben Simmons. This is a lost two years. Last season basically didn't happen for him. So when you look back at some of those highlights, Jim, when Ben was dominating, going to the all-star team, and a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year in the NBA. It feels like a long time ago now, and that's what's concerning if you're the Nets. How to prepare for next year and build your team if you don't know what you're going to get from Ben Simmons. I can't get inside his brain. I don't know about his love for the sport and whether or not this is driving him to be great once again. We just don't know. But as far as planning purposes for the Nets, I think they've got to have a plan A, plan B, plan C. And they can't just assume that Ben Simmons is going to be a part of this thing. All fair. He is an Emmy award-winning broadcaster, play-by-play announcer for CBS Sports, Turner Sports, Westwood One Radio Sports. And as I mentioned, Brooklyn Nets play-by-play announcer since 1995, Ian Eagle, my guest. Ian, I can't say how much I appreciate that. Thank you so much for the visit. Always great to have you on the show, and I appreciate the friendship, Ian. Thank you very much. Romy. Anytime, bud. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you down the road. You too. Let's get at it. Once again, here are the ground rules. The ground rules are there are no ground rules. Beef about anything you want. Just make sure it's appropriate for daytime television and radio. But it can be about anybody or anything you want. Call right now, 1-800-636-8686. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up via email. Chalk says... And if Chalk says, it is his segment, let's start with the phones. Sometimes it works great, sometimes not as well. Let's find out. First off today, this guy will set the tone. Let's go to Pomona. Anthony. Anthony, what's your beef? Jimmy, my beef is with my girlfriend for making me go to her fat ass friend's birthday party instead of WrestleMania this weekend. Now, I'm in Pomona, so I live in LA County. I love wrestling, so... That's what I want to do this weekend. I want to go make a memorable moment with my daughter. Take her to something she's going to remember forever. Not watch a bunch of fat pigs stuff their face at a buffet at a bowling alley. War Kelly Clarkson. And war me being out of breath right now. Bye. <laughs> war me being out of breath right now. He said, my beef is with my girlfriend because I have to go to one of her fat friend's birthdays when I would rather create memories with my daughter at WrestleMania. That's a legitimate beef right there. Rather than seeing, quote, a bunch of pigs stuff their face. Fat. He's got a good point, right? 
I don't know, dude. Can you not put your foot ground or put your foot down and say this is how this is? I, I really am sorry that I can't go to your friend's birthday party, but my daughter and I have a previous engagement at WrestleMania where we go plan to make memories. All right, Anthony getting us started. So far, so good. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Philadelphia. John. Hey, John, what's up? What's your beef? Hey, John. Yeah, my beef is with the guy who walks his dog on the path that I'm trying to exercise on. And I know we've heard this before, but I'm so fired up, man, I can't even take it anymore. He leaves a pile of his dog crap in the middle of the trail, and I miss it. Now I step in it. It's in my car. It's on my pants because it was on my bicycle tire. Dude, clean up your mess, all right? I don't need that crap on me, around me. Why can't you clean up your mess? I'm going to have to take your nose, the scruff of your neck, and smear your face into that crap so you can remember to clean it up. Hey, War Teresa in Arizona and a crusty left in Laguna, your childish, sophomoric, perverted humor shows us exactly where you live. I'm out. Hey, John, War, you and your anger. That was incredible. That was one of my favorite beefs in quite some time. My man's pissed, yo. John in Philly has got beef. That's a tough act to follow. Who am I going to put in that position? That is a really tough act to follow. Let's go to Sacramento. John in Sacktown. John, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. My beef is with Sacktown itself. Terrible drivers, unattractive women, people that say hello all the time. Would someone please rescue me back to the 818? My man. The former former yeah, Laker fan, War Kings, Raider Nation. John and Sacktown, somebody rescue me back to the 818. I'll meet you halfway. I, I can see where you'd want to go back to the 818 because, well, 818 for life. John, if you listen to the reinvention project with Jim Rome, you would know this. No one's coming to rescue you, dude. No one is coming to save you, my man. If you want to go back to the 818, go back to the 818. You can drive there. You can fly there. You can ride your bike there. Probably catch a train. They have trains in Sacktown, right? If you want out, leave. Let's go to Portland. Amber. Oh, look at Amber on the phones. Amber, what is your beef? Romy, my beef is actually with you. Hmm. Yeah. So you keep saying that you want people to make it better, contribute, make it better. But then you continue to let Messlene call in or write in, and she has her dumb, like, which QB she finds beefy takes or how hot Johannes is. Nobody cares. Those aren't hot takes. Those are hot garbage. Quit contradicting yourself. Amber, you are so good. Racker. War Lady Clones. War Lady Clones. I mean, she just was so methodical and measured and savage. That was awesome. Great job. And the beef was with me, and I thought it was awesome. Amber, you are good. I like it. 1-800-636-8686. 1-800-636-8686. Who's got beef? I got a platform. A national. No, an international platform for your beefs. Let's go to Florida. I like it. 
I always like going to Florida. Bergie, Bergie in Florida. Bergie, what is your beef? Romy, my beef is with my man Alvy during the live commercial reads. He's killing me by not doing the sound drops. I mean, it's Jackson Hewitt. It's Jackson Jackson. He's not dropping it. He's, I'm begging him to drop it. And I'm warning, I'm warning you telling the clones the line you dropped on Dodger Jana, the smooth line when she was your boss to pick her up. I'm out. The smooth line that I dropped on Dodger Jano when she was my boss to pick her up. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't remember dropping any smooth lines on her when she was my boss to pick her up. Uh, like, that never happened. <laughs> I never dropped any smooth lines on Dodger Jano. This is the beef segment, not the ATP. As far as Alvy, I don't tell Alvy anything, but I especially don't tell him to fire drops while I'm doing live reads because the live reads are the reason Alvin and I are here. No, no, no. Leave those alone. For some reason, the sales reps and the traffic folks do not have the same sense of humor or sensibilities that you do or James Kelly does. 1-800-636-8686. 1-800-636-8686. We're starting with the phones today. Let's go to Ann Arbor. Randy in Ann Arbor. Randy in Ann Arbor told me that he is a professor at the University of Michigan. He has said as much on the show. He is on record with that. So not only are we talking about a professor, a professor at an extraordinarily prestigious university, but calling a radio program during a beef segment. This is about as good as it gets. We go to Ann Arbor. Randy, it's nice to have you back. What is your beef? Go ahead, Randy. You're on the air. Now you're not, Professor. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. My man. My man, you all right? I hope he's okay. He's usually really eager to come on. Like, I, I thought that I heard him inhale, kind of gasp for air. My man, did the mask come out of the ceiling? Did you not put it on your face first? Oh, well, that'll happen. I, I just hate to alienate the one professor that calls the show. There just aren't professors running around calling the jungle. I don't want to alienate the one we have. However, rules are rules. You are not ready to go. Let's go to Kentucky. I love Kentucky. Mark in Kentucky. Mark, good to have you. What's your beef? Doggy dog. My beef is when you borrow the wife's car and you flip down the sun visor while you're driving and a load of papers comes falling down like confetti in the Canyon of Heroes. Hey, OL, get your ish together. War thinking that that the song 17 by winger is creepy signed kiss and christine 16 bonus war matt in la and flamey and being the same person mark in the bluegrass i'm oot my man nice job in the bluegrass i've got a different kind of beef not getting into the wife's car but the wife getting into my car and changing every setting that's my beef 
I mean, it's legit. What is she supposed to do? Not be able to see out the rearview mirrors, not be able to see out of the side view mirror, not be able to reach the gas pedals or push, whatever. I get it all. I just don't like it. That's why I try not to trade rigs very often. Because you know those settings? How long does it take you to reset the settings? They're never back to where they were, no matter how hard you try, right? But then again, if this is what my beef is, it must be a pretty good life, right? So now we're starting to get beefs in response to beefs, and that always works. Let's go to Sacramento. Joe in Sacktown. Joe, what's your beef? What's up, Professor? Hey, this is for John in uh, so-called Sacktown. You know, maybe you're missing a Botox injection or something like that, or you can't breathe without smog, but you can take you and all the fake Laker fans and bounce your butt back on the, site, on the uh, Southwest flight at 1130 this afternoon. All right, buddy, take it easy. That's nice my job. Beef. I got you. What, you can't breathe without smog? You can't smile without Botox? You can be on the 1130 Southwest flight. We probably got flights out of there every half hour. Nice job, Sacktown. Good, strong crackback. What, you can't breathe without smog? Yo, we can't do anything without Botox. Let's read a few. Van Sizzle. I got beef. When the old lady cooks a nice two-person dinner of chicken breast, Brussels sprouts, and mashed potatoes, please explain how this equates to eight spatulas, four measuring cups, five pots and pans, eight forks, ten spoons, four glass containers, and ten to fifteen pieces of unidentified cutlery. I also love that you've got the dishes, right? Thanks for dinner, babe. But feel free to tighten up the dish management. Andy from Denver. That's well played. Well played. Hey, Jim, my beef is with the company that makes the plastic silverware holder in the kitchen drawer. How come they make them so oversized? Utensils falling over, getting turned upside down, you name it. Silverware is fairly standard sized with little variants. Hey, idiots, use a tape measure and redesign the damn thing. Stephen Stockton. Two things. One, love the use of the word variants because I'm a wordsmith. Number two, extremely random, so I like it. I love beefs that I've never heard before. Hey, Jim, my beef is with after. <laughs> I've heard this one before, but I already like where he's going. My beef is with aftermarket LED headlight guy. Try as you may, but those one million candle power spotlights have done nothing to enhance your 94 Acura. Because of your vanity and gross oversight, the rest of us require a welding mask to be on the same road as you. Your car needs to be turned into my next beer can. Jim in Quartz Hill. That is awesome. Nicely done. Hey, Chuck, are you sure we did the right thing by going to the phones and not our written beefs? These are good. Rome, my beef is with Subway, quote, sandwich artists, end of quote, who insist on putting the toppings down before the condiments. Yeah, can I get cold-cut combo with a mountain of mayonnaise on top of my iceberg lettuce so it gets all over the paper when you wrap it up? And thank you for the one napkin covered in mustard. Vincent Van Doe. 
Garrett in North Hollywood. I think we're three for three. Hey, Rome, I have a beef with my friend that owns a mowing service. He calls me and he says he has a new aeration machine and needs, quote, practice using it and asked if he could aerate my yard. I say, go ahead. He does it. And a week later, I get a bill from his service for 100 bucks. What a bag move. Aaron in Iowa, four for four. Dude, that is a bag move. Van Sizzle, my beef is with product manufacturers who use 10 gallons of glue to seal their product. Great. My cereal box lid gets shredded into 1,000 pieces when I try to open it. Yippee! I have to destroy the first 75 tickets of TP to get the stupid roll started. Hey, manufacturers, back off on the glue, you bags. You're not protecting the Golden Fort Knox. Brad in the 360 cycling degenerate. Romy, my beef is with my telecommuting coworker. Referring to your cat as, quote, my assistant is not cute, and it's never been funny. Blake in Denver. Hey, Blake, how long have you been listening to this program? I feel like Blake in Denver is just old, old, old school and does not get credit. That's funny. Hey, yo, check out my assistant. My cat. Hey, Rome, my beef is Nashville? People love Nashville. Everybody loves Nashville. That's why everybody's moving to Nashville. Oh, wait, here's why. My beef is Nashville. Why does everything cost three times more than it should? Most overrated city ever. Nothing unique except those ridiculous honky-tonks. Do better, Nashville. Andrew in Louisville. Bro. That's like some Ville-on-Ville crime right there. Dude, you don't have to go there, do you? Van Smack, my beef is gets in the empty elevator and hovers right next to you, guy. Hey, turd Ferguson, there's family members I don't even like this much, let alone you. Park in the opposite corner like me and wait for your floor. And he writes, true story of a high-rise UPS driver. Matt Implacentia. Hey, Jim, my beef is with Amber. Don't go ripping off Coach K's yeah to bolster your weak-ass call. Get your own, Amber. Wesley, near Boise. Hey, dude, I mean, her beef was with me, and I thought it was actually a great call. Yeah? Yeah. Speaking of the calls, 1-800-636-8686. It is the beef segment. We do it once a week. Let's go to Alaska. Matt, I love that we have an affiliate in Alaska. I've always loved that. In fact, I've always wanted to go to Alaska, and I've never been. Matt in Alaska. Matt, what's your beef? Jimmy, what's going on? Yo. Hey, I got a beef with I got a beef with Portland woman. As a native Oregonian, Amber comes up in the jungle all flirty with you, and then she does a little lady clone on lady clone crime with Methleen, who, let's be honest, is kind of funny. So now I got to like try to be productive here at work while I'm thinking about 
grungy amber in Portland. And Jim, come to Alaska. This place is kick-ass, man. I'm out. Nice job, bro. Well done. I'd like to come to Alaska, and I know it's kick-ass. I've seen way too many pictures, way too many vids, and talked to way too many people who've spent time there. Hey, listen. I'm already defending Amber because it was a great call. And her beef was with me, although her beef really was with Methwine. But I don't have beef with Methwine. I like them both. They're very different. And I would say that both make it better. Amber was really different because she never comes up in here. Period. At least not on the phones. And then she comes up in here the way she did. Methlene, ironically, always comes up in here. But not today. And not on a day when a fellow lady clone took a run at her. And I don't think that Amber came up in here all, quote, flirty with me. She came in here to crack on methylene. Mission accomplished. It's all making it better. The lady clones always make it better. 1-800-636-8686. Madtown. You know Madison makes it better. In fact, Dodger Jano and Rogues are going to Madtown next week for spring break to hang out with Jake, who's graduating soon. I love Madtown. I'm the one that sent that kid there. If not for me, Jake Rome is not a part of the Badger Mafia. Well, he's not actually a part of the Mafia yet, but he is a Badger. Pete in Madison. Pete, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. Thanks for the vine. My beef is with these radio advertisers that buy just enough time to get their commercial done, but not enough time to let you read the small print at the end. So the end of the commercial ends up going at like 90 miles an hour, and you can't hear a word the person's saying in the chipmunk voice. Well, here's here's the thing, dude. Like, they have a message, but they have a legal disclaimer that has to be read, and the disclaimer, in some cases, is longer than the message. So they got to find a way to get it in. I was listening to another podcast the other day, and I've never heard anything like this one disclaimer. The disclaimer for the one commercial on the roll-in, I think, was longer than the actual podcast. And playing that thing in one and a half speed was not going to fix that. However, there are certain legal things that have to be said. As somebody who reads commercials for a living, I can speak to this. There are certain legal things that have to be said and read. Have you ever heard one of mine? Most eligible states, age varies by jurisdiction, eligibility restrictions to apply. calling me a chip DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. I think I sound awesome. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY. Text HOPE-NY-467-67. Look at my ability to change direction and speed. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. If there were a combine for reading spots, parlay, and wagering restrictions to apply, I'd be the LeBron of radio announcers at the radio announcer combine. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. That'd be like me running or reading the equivalent of a one five forty. Damn, he's fast. Let's go to Portland. Now it's on. Portland, Ray in Portland. Ray, good to have you. What's your beef? Oh, thanks, Jim. Yeah, I got a beef with all of Alaska. It's not that great. It's cold. It's harsh. There's no sports. There's no concerts. There's no women. It's not that great. I'm out. 
I'm pretty sure that part about there being no women is not accurate. I'm pretty sure that there are concerts. I've never been, so maybe I'm talking out my backside. But I'd be willing to bet, one, there are women in Alaska. Two, there is live music in Alaska. Three, there may be winter sports, but I bet there are actual sports in Alaska. But I will agree with you. Probably not all of Alaska is awesome because not all of any region is awesome. And yes, it is cold. I probably would pick my time to go. Just like I never go to Wisconsin in the winter. But I bet Alaska in the summer is badass. Let's go to Michigan. Steve in Michigan. Good to have you, Steve. What's your beef? Jim, thanks so much uh, for taking my call. Hey, my beef is with Jim Guy, okay? Another Jim Guy story. So these dudes with a thick head of hair, they got just massive lettuce, right? They're just reckless, combing recklessly with reckless abandon. They're combing their hair while dudes like me just are trying to string two pieces of hair together, dude. And they just don't care because they know more lettuce is going to grow immediately, dude. It just is disheartening. Have some compassion. That's all I'm saying. I'm out, Jimmy. Dude, you rule. Nice job, Steve-O. Way to go. What, why is that? A gym guy thing, though. Is that not a life thing or not? Are guys with great heads of hair not parading arrogantly through wherever they are in any walk of life? Or is that only in the gym because you see them when you're getting dressed? He said, come on, man. Don't be up in here flossing with your magnificent head of lettuce when I'm doing everything I can to string together the last two pieces of hair that I have and combing it over. It's disheartening. Meanwhile, you are combing with reckless abandon. And if I took your comb to my head, I would have one piece of hair left if I combed with the same arrogance and reckless abandon. Steve, you know why they do that? Not to intimidate you, not to demoralize you, but the same reason anybody can or does because they can. My dude, there are ways around that. I'm not saying it's easy, but you could throw a rug on that. You could plug that up. Maybe smash some Rogaine into your head. I don't know. Or, 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 dude, how about this? Play the hand you're dealt. Embrace your bald head. Bald is beautiful. Embrace everything, including the fact that you have no hair. And that there's some bag in the gym. I mean, dude, he's probably swole too, right? You know what, man? Stop going to the gym. It's not your happy place. All you see is dudes who have more hair than you and are in better shape than you. Of course you feel inadequate and deficient. Build a gym in your garage. (laughs) Don't venture out. That actually was a great beef. And that was a great beef segment. I can't believe it. I'm looking up. 25 after. How in the world do we get to 25 after? 25 easiest, best minutes of my day. All right, I'm okay. Good night now!